Hello, and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in, and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. Vision Month, week three. I hope you guys have been getting something out of this. We decree and declare that 2022 is the year that we never underestimate. The year we never underestimate. And um, last week we talked about never underestimate the reach of God. We talked about how um, never estimate God's reach to intervene and methods for deliverance. Never underestimate God's willingness to reach because of relationship. And so this week, ladies and gentlemen, I want to continue. I want to talk about never underestimate knowing Jesus. And as I've been saying to you since the first Sunday of January about what the Lord has spoken to me about this matter of uh, not underestimating is I said it again, and I'm going to keep saying it because this is what the Lord keeps saying to us is that a lot of times people underestimate him because they don't know him so people underestimate and not only just people but we come on let's be under honest we underestimate him because we don't or we have not <clears throat> made ourselves acquainted yes professing believers because you can profess but your profession should move to a place of intimacy yeah. it's not enough that you punch your ticket into heaven you got to know the god that delivered you and to know him is not to just have intellect of him, because intellect alone of God, that's why there's agnostics and stuff now. They know God, but, they, but, they, but the knowledge of it for them, for some of them, has not led them to relationship. Yeah. So I can know that there is a God. I can know that Jesus exists and all of that. But if I don't move to a place of relationship, then I will I am robbing myself of the opportunity to know the very person that created me yeah. and his plan for my my life. Before I go into before I go and jump into this text, ladies and gentlemen, I want to show you something. A lot of times I want to give you some advice when you're reading the word of God. And that's why I recommend you buy a study Bible. I'm talking by a study Bible because a lot of times we don't understand certain things that are in Scripture that is significant. That is significant. And I want to set the scene for us in order for you to understand uh, uh, what's going on here. Uh, I've heard this verse preached and stuff like that, but a lot of times when I, I go to Scripture, I look at it like I never heard or I know nothing about it. And then the Lord began to show me something about why he asked this uh, why he asked these set of questions. And really, I want to deal with first the location in which he asked his questions yeah. to his disciples. Caesarea Philippi, ladies and gentlemen, it is presumed that Jesus left Galilee to get away from the crowds of Galilee. His 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 fame has been spreading. And so he leaves a, a predominantly Jewish, reg Jewish region uh, in Galilee to go to a predominantly Gentile region of Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Caesarea Philippi. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a mostly Gentile population. It's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, ladies and gentlemen. And so we, we presume that he goes away to get away from the crowd and to spend some alone time with God. The way I know this is because in Luke chapter 9, uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it says that Jesus was praying privately. Uh, before, uh, so Luke tells us in his account that he was praying privately. And so many times in Jesus' ministry and in his life, a lot of times when, when he needs to get away, he goes and spends time, he gets away from the noise, he gets away from the crowd, and he prays. And some of us need to take the same example of our Lord and our Savior, that when it's time to get away from the noise, when you feel so bogged down by life and just going, and not that life is bad, but sometimes things can be good and you just need to get away, and you need to get a break, and that's what Jesus did. He knew how to 
take breaks and get somewhere in private where he could be rejuvenated by it being in the presence of God. And while being away from the big crowds, he is able to able then to now pour in to his disciples, the twelve. But back to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, ladies and gentlemen, was a region that was associated with idols and rival deities. Caesarea Philippi, ladies and gentlemen, uh, was scattered with different temples of Caesarean, Assyrian Baal worship. <clears throat> of Baal worship, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand that this area, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, uh, they served multiple gods and, and they, they were known that this was the birthplace of their great god Pan, who was the, the god of nature, the god of nature. And in Caesarea Philippi, there was a great temple of white marble built to the godhead of Caesar. So he's in the villages of he's in the local villages of Caesarea Philippi, and 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 he begins uh, in a midst of all of these deities and all of these uh, 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 thoughts and and ideologies. Jesus begins to ask a question or a set of questions to uh, his disciples, his own people. And the purpose, ladies and gentlemen, is that Jesus deliberately sets himself against the background of the world's thought, thought provokers, the world's deities. In all of their history and splendor, Jesus is setting himself up against them. And he's going to ask a question to the disciples about where he ranks among all of these deities in Caesarea and in in Philippi, Caesarea Philippi. This is interesting. Is that Jesus purposely goes to a place to ask about how his deity ranks up against the other deities to his own people, to his own people. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus asked him the question. He first asked him the question, what do men say that I am? Let me help you understand this about our Savior. Our Savior does not ask us this question today because he is a narcissist. He is not asking this question because Jesus don't know who he is. He's not asking this question because he's insecure. He's very secure in who I am and who he is. He tells you who he is. He don't need nobody to tell him he's God. He knows he's God. He's not learning. I've heard somebody say he's not learning who he is. He knows who he is. He knew who he was and what his job was when he left the splendor of heaven to come here. So it's not that he needs his people to affirm who he is. It is not like us where we need a bunch of people to affirm us and tell us. Jesus ain't, he don't need that. He knows who he is. He's securing who he is. It's not about affirming him. The purpose of this question is so he can find out what the disciples' thoughts about him really is. Not for his sake, but for their own. Oh man, I'm working. I'm working. This, this, this. Just follow me for a second. Track with me for a second. And so the purpose of this question is not so that he can get them affirming him and all of this stuff. No, the purpose of these questions, ladies and gentlemen, is so that he can affirm then affirm them and who he is to confirm in them a conviction of who he is. He asked him this question, ladies and gentlemen. He says, who do men say that I am? The son of man am. The son of man. He said, who do men say that I am? Who? So in other words, what Jesus is saying, what is the mainstream thought out here? What are they saying in the, what are they saying in the communities about who I am? 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring it to our world today. What are they saying on social media who I am? What are they saying? What are they saying? What is they saying in your friend groups, in your community of who Jesus is? What, 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 what really is the public? What is the public opinion of, of, of me? What is the public perception of who I am? Can I ask, can I tell you this? It's not that Jesus was worrying so much about his public perception. It was not that Jesus cared so much about his public reputation. This is not why he asked this question for. He's not asking this question, ladies and gentlemen, because he, he's looking at all everybody else worshiping their other gods and that, hey, I should be the same way. No, 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 no. It's really not that. He's really asking the question to know where the disciples are. Ladies and gentlemen, he wants, he's asking, what is the popular opinion about me in the world right now? And can I say this to you? Nothing is new under the sun because the same thing they're saying about, that they said about Jesus in his day is the same things they are saying about him today. Nothing has changed. Uh-oh, you can change vocabulary, you can change the verbiage, but it all comes around to being the same thing that people question in Jesus' day. People are saying the same things. Let me tell you the popular thing about Jesus. Oh, I like the teachings of Jesus. I just don't agree with the teachings of the Bible. That's a popular thing. I like the teachings of Jesus. I can put them up there with the other thought-provoking uh, uh, ideologies that are out there and add it to my own theology so I can live my own truth. That's what people are doing now. I'm adding Jesus to my own truth, but I don't recognize him as the truth. He's a part of many truths, but he, but I, I, I just, I, I just don't understand how you can say that you love the teachings of Jesus when he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." I, I just don't, I, I just don't get it. That he, he's teaching you that he's the Son of Man. He's saying that I am the truth. He's saying that I am the only way. He's not saying that he should be uh, someone considered, considered, or a deity considered, or a thought provoked. Uh, uh, idea that should be among other ideas. No, he's saying, no, I am the only idea. I am the only truth. I am the only way. The only way you come to the Father is through me. So the disciples answered the question. Same thing they said then. Oh, you're a great teacher. Like Elijah. Oh, he's a fanatic like John the Baptist. He's very radical. Oh, he's a national reformer. Oh, he's a prophet like Jeremiah and the other prophets. The Muslim faith regards him as a prophet, but they don't regard him as the true revelation of God. Yeah. You're Jehovah Witnesses don't even recognize him as God, that he didn't have the final revelation. Nah, nah. You Hebrew Israelites, yeah, I'm coming for you. Oh, he, he, he's not even real. He's not even real. He came from Egypt. He's a black man. Oh, this is the new theater. Oh, oh, I can't stand people who, 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 who believe in this white Jesus with blue eyes. Oh, Christianity is the white man religion. This is the stuff that people are saying about Jesus in this day. Oh, don't come for, oh, come, can I come for you affirmers and you deconstructive theory? Let me come for you too. Oh, Jesus was an affirmer. He's an affirmer. He comes to affirm all people. He loves everybody. Yes, he loves everybody, but he don't condone everybody's behavior. Yeah. 
Hey, how do I know this? Even with the woman that was caught in adultery. I like you. I know y'all like to use that. But even in the woman who was caught with adultery, he told her, I don't, I don't condemn. I, oh, my God. I don't judge you, but he told I don't condemn you. And so then he said to her, but sin no more. Hey, he is not giving her a license to keep hoeing around and being a, oh, my God, for the streets. He wasn't giving her a license to do that. He just said, I'm not going to condemn you. But guess what? Sin no more. This is what people say about Jesus. What is the public, the mainstream media opinion? What is your family opinion? What are they saying about your boy in these streets? What are they saying about your boy in these streets? What are they saying? What, what, what are they saying? And similar to Jesus' day, they're saying the same things. Nothing has changed. I, I just want you to understand this. Nothing has changed. The debate of around Jesus it's still the same. Yeah. Is he God or is he not God? Did he exist or did he not exist? Even the skeptics who study and try to scrutinize the word will even talk down the people who say that Jesus didn't exist. Even them who are called skeptics will say that ain't well, you, you don't know nothing. He, he actually did exist. Everyone knows it's a historic fact that Jesus existed. Here's where people are held up. Now, is he the son of God or, or was he really God? Now, that's a different, that's a different thing. Because they don't want to come to the realization that he is who he said he was. But let me tell you something, the purpose of this initial question. Who do men, he's, and I want you to see something. He says, listen to the phrasing of the question. He says, who do men say I am? The son of man. Let me show you something. The son of man, Jesus himself. That's what he's referring to himself as. The son of man. Not someone yet to come. He's not saying that. Not someone yet to come. He's saying, but go to verse, verse uh, 14. Who do men say that I am? He's not saying, he's not telling them. He, he, listen, when you talking about the son of man, he's talking about himself. He ain't talking about nobody else. He's talking about the son of man. And this question is what's stirring people's questions around now. Who are they saying? Is he the son of man? Mark mentioned this 14 times along in his gospel. Who do men say that I am? And it's so interesting how he asked this question in Caesarea Philippi, where everyone has a smorgasbord of ideas and thoughts of who they think the true and living God is. Pan, the God of nature. Well, in the days time we live in, well, I am my own God. Universal, new age thinking. We are gods in ourselves. We're manifestors. And then here comes our, and here comes us as some people who profess and believe. Yeah, I manifested that with the help of God. <laughs> I don't want to be fully egocentric, so I add God in there. <laughs> And you know what's so interesting about this, ladies and gentlemen? I know you probably don't like me, but it don't matter. The truth of the matter is that Jesus asked this initial question because people don't realize is that this initial question has shaped the vast majority of people's view about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> He wants to ask them this question, this initial question of who men say that I am, because let's all be honest for a second. 
that even those of you who grew up in church, some of your perception of Jesus was, oh my God, uh, some of your possession, your perception of Jesus was rooted in a denominational thinking. Some of your thinking about Jesus was rooted in someone's own bias. And so the way that you go about viewing Jesus, you don't understand that it's been a mixture of all of this stuff that are inadequate to pretty much describe who he is. Saying that he's a national reformer is inadequate. Saying that he's just only a prophet, a prophet is inadequate. Right. inadequate. Saying that he was just a great man of great sayings is inadequate. That's all inadequate because the truth of the matter is, it's not till you come to the fact that he is God is when that's the truth that only matters. And so let me tell you something. Jesus asked him this initial question because he needs to know what he has to, what misconceptions have they bought into? Because here's the, here's watch me here. Oh my, nah. oh God, I praise you. What, here's the problem is that a lot of people, uh, and this is why some people are walking away from the faith is because the perception and the uh, belief that you had about Jesus was not rooted in your own personal devotion. And because it wasn't rooted in your own personal devotion, when certain things have not gone the way that you would expect and things have gone on in your life and life has happened to you, you could not stand in faith. You couldn't stand in truth because a lot of what you think was the truth was rooted in other people's relationship or other people's biases or what the mainstream of people thought about who Jesus is. Some people recently walked away from the faith, quote unquote, want to be some type of theologian and was a, 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 a and, and, and also he was an apologist. And he said, God, I need y'all to forgive me because I was preaching a white man's religion. How in the world could this happen to you like that? Why? Because you don't know God. And let's all be honest. I know you don't like this truth. The reality of the reason why you can have your things with God, whereas though you don't understand the things of God sometimes, you don't understand the way he moves. But guess what? When you know God, you know he's not of ill intent. But you don't know him. Pastor Brandon, that's unfair. I didn't know God. If you truly knew him, it would not be so easy to walk away from him. It is not until the disciples got a real revelation of Jesus that they said, I'll go to my grave even being, even if I got to get persecuted, I'll go to my grave because I've seen it for myself. Ah! He says, who do men say that I am? Because a lot of times your opinion about God has been shaped about what others said about him. You never cracked open a book of the Bible in your life and you've allowed your own perception to be based upon other people. And let me tell you something. When I have conversations, just having conversations with people who I know are atheists and people I know who may be agnostic, a lot of times what I hear from them is what, oh my God, they learned out of somebody's church that was rooted in bad error from the very get-go and a lot of times their reality about the church or the reality about Jesus was shaped in other people's ignorance and that's why the people perish for the lack of knowledge that's why people perish because they fail to know him and here's what Jesus did okay I've heard what other people say and you know it was common in Jewish custom to compare people to dead people <laughs> they all comparing him to people that are dead and gone oh he's a reincarnation of Elijah oh he's a reincarnation of the prophet Jeremiah and them boys yeah he's John the Baptist how could he be a reincarnation of John the Baptist and they were born at the same time me how can you get that 
I know this ain't popular. But I'm trying to come for your thought process. I'm not even trying to listen. It's important that you hear the message and it's important that I give you the truth of who Jesus is. But guess what? Even what I say was inadequate. Why? Because it's not until you come into the truth for yourself. Hallelujah. I remember I was talking to a person one time about their salvation. And he told me that his he he told me that his grandmother had that all under control. I said, did your grandmother die on the cross? You can't go to heaven because of your grandmother's personal relationship or who she said Jesus is. You got to get there for yourself, young man. The moment somebody say that to me, I know you are a sinner. You want to know why? Because you because let me tell you something. The first thing you didn't don't need to come out of your mouth is telling me my grandmother had me in church and doing all of that. Your grandmother didn't die on no cross. I love my parents, but they ain't die for me. And your salvation ain't inherited, neither, Joker. So you gotta make a decision for yourself. So he moves them. I got to get out of here because my time is running. Watch me. He says, who do men say I am? And then watch what he does. He says, now, who do you say I am? The setup. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Why? Because a lot of times people's own viewpoint has been shaped around what others have said. And here's what I'm trying to tell you, that our opinion, uh, excuse me, that our knowing of Jesus cannot be shaped by the spirit of this age. You want to know what the spirit of this age is? It's confusion. It's confusion. That is the spirit of this age right now. It's confusion. How do I know this, Pastor Bree? How, How do you know this, Pastor Bree? I'll tell you why. Calling something bad good. You're confused. You are confused. You know you living in a spirit of age where confusion is hitting this place, where we are not, where we telling, where we saying that scientific fact is error. You are in confusion. It's the spirit of this age. People are confused. Spirit of this age. And not only the spirit of the age, but he's saying also, watch me. He's saying also, the, and the culture. Can I speak to my community one second? Because we speak to all races and all of this stuff like that. But I'm going to speak to mine. I know we've been deprived in our identity and stripped away from all of that stuff like that. And I know black power, all of that good old stuff. Yeah, yeah, here for the people. But guess what? Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? It ain't no white man's religion. It ain't none of that stuff. It is, the sa- it is the saving knowledge of who Jesus is is what kept our foreparents. And that's why you wonder how they were stronger and they didn't, didn't, oh, they spoke down about therapists and all of that stuff. And I believe in therapy. I believe in that. I'm an advocate for it. And I even recommend that to people. But what I'm saying is what they knew, and that's why they sung them them old down spirituals, because they knew that that's what kept them through. And you want to know why people kept the Bible away from them? Because they wasn't so much about them not being able to read. It's about what they read in the contents of that page, what changed their life. And a lot of this blackness and all of this stuff, you don't understand that. Guess what? Our own forefathers in Egypt and all that stuff worship other gods. They ain't worship the real one. And you don't understand some of the things you be wearing is in recognition of other gods that ain't yawn. <laughs> Hallelujah. You want, so, you want so badly to have something that we can claim for ourselves and everyone can claim who Jesus is if you believe. The problem is right now is that the culture is saying all of this stuff and we as believers feel like, well, if we're going to reach the culture, we got to be more affirming. We got to be more of this. We got to be more of that. Oh, Jesus sat with the sinners and all of this stuff. I'm tired of you people using this thing that Jesus sat with those. Yeah, he sat with them. But guess what? He weren't doing what they were doing. He walked this life and sinned not. The reason why he walked with him is because he was trying to tell him there's another way to live. And you trying to tell him you can still live the way you're living, but just add Jesus along. It don't work like that, my friend.
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Who do men say that I am? Because here's the real thing. I need to figure out where y'all got wrong. I need Jesus is saying, I need to figure out where is that misconception about me at? Where did you, where is that? I need to fix some of that. I need you to come in the revelation. I, I don't need you to come on the revelation of me with third party information. I need you to come to me as I am so I can really, so you can really see me revealed in your life. Listen, the way you answer this question is in what you believe and what you do. If we really believe Jesus is who he says he is, it will affect every area of our life. And the reason why there are certain areas in our lives that are not gaining fruit or not being productive or you haven't gotten away is because somewhere you have a misconception about Jesus. somewhere you got to figure out what's up there because guess what can I give you can I give you can I give you a, an example of this for a second Jesus did not care what other people said because he was in relationship because he was in relationship with the disciples he was more concerned what they had to say about him than what others I don't really care so much about what other people who don't know me has to say. I'm more concerned about what the people that do know me and what they are saying. Because if you can't, oh my God, how else are you going to combat the public, oh my God, perception if you think of the public perception? And so here's the problem with the church right now is that you ain't on one accord with who Jesus is. So you're joining into the concert of what the world is trying to dictate to us of who Jesus should be. Hallelujah. But I came on an assignment this year like never before. You're going to get a revelation of Jesus. Yeah, I mean a real revelation of who he is. Cause that's what's gonna impact your life. It ain't a, it ain't the it ain't it ain't another stock on your cryptocurrency. It ain't none of that. It ain't doing this person. Oh, it's knowing Jesus that's gonna help you get through certain things in this life. Watch me. Here's what Peter says. I'm coming to an end. Peter says, "You are the Christ." He says, "You are the Christ, the Son of." The living God. So Peter acknowledges, he says, hey, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Meaning that you are the Christ, Christos. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. The anointed savior, the Messiah here with us in person. Not one to come, but here now. You are the Messiah. Not only that, but not only are you the Messiah, but you are the living God. You are God himself. He says you are God himself. Watch what he does here. Now this revelation is something that while Peter said this, he, Jesus says flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This was not something that was revealed because of what others said. Because <laughs> other people got it wrong. <laughs> Listen, I know this wasn't what other people said. I know the spirit of God touched you when you said this, Peter. Can I, can I suggest something to you? Is that when you really come to the revelation of who Jesus is, it is the spirit of God is going to illuminate to illuminate it to you in your own way. Of how he personally saved you. You are the Messiah. You are God. This is the only truth that you can stand on. The only truth. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 is not there. He says, but God himself revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of, of a man except the spirit of the man? 
which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. He's saying the Spirit of God revealed this to you, Peter. Now, watch me. Upon this revelation, Peter, I'm going to build my church. Here's the initiation of the church right here in these verses. I'm going to build my church on that truth. Not what the Catholics did and think that Peter was the first line of succession. No. Upon that revelation, I'm going to build my I'm going to build the church upon this truth. The truth of me being the Messiah and God, the only God, among all these other deities in here, I'm the true one. In Caesarea Philippi, in Caesarea Philippi, you, you came to know that I am the one and I am the only true deity. All other gods, they're, work, they're, the, they're the works of man. They're the works of man. He said, upon this Right here, this truth. He said, I'm going to build my church. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's why sometimes people walk away and when things get hard is because they can't, they haven't really, they don't have a strong conviction that Jesus is the truth. Sometimes, let's be honest, life can get you down and you can start second guessing this whole thing. This is not me throwing shade at anybody or being insensitive. I know, ladies and gentlemen, life can get you so low yeah. to the point where you're saying, well, God, man, forget all of this. I don't need this. I'm even questioning who you are, man, at this moment. All of this stuff going on. But the scripture says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. He didn't say the gates of hell can prevail against a brick of mortar. A brick of mortar can catch on fire. <laughs> He's saying the gates of hell cannot prevail against the organism. And what makes up the organism of the church? It's the people. Ha! Come on in here. It is the people. And guess what? If I am in the church, I'm not saying if you are part of Transformation Christian Fellowship, I could care less if you go here. What I'm telling you, I'm more concerned about you being in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The universal church. He said upon that truth, the gates of hell won't prevail. <laughs> because you know who Jesus truly is. That wild life could probably get you as low. And you lost your job because of the pandemic. You got corona. You've been this and you've been that. It's that it did not prevail. Because you were part of the church. <laughs> But as I close, as I close, why did you title this Never Underestimate Jesus, Knowing Jesus? Because underestimate means to place too low of a value on. And here's the thing. This is why it's so fitting to ask this question among all the other thought leaders that are out there. In Caesarea Philippi. Here in the United States, here wherever you're living at, yeah. where do you value God among other gods? Yeah, including you. Where do you, <laughs> where do you work them? Because let me tell you something. When you really know the truth of Jesus, that he is God, when you know that, it will affect the way of which you live. Let me help you. Let me help you. It will determine if you will live a life of faith. It will truly determine if you're going to live a life of faith or not. If you're really going to come to him. Or will you depend on your own self or your other gods. To tell you the way to go. Because it's going to really show if you're going to really rely on God or not. If you know who he is. When you know who Jesus is, and I mean know it for yourself in a personal relationship. An intimate relationship. You can't take it away from you. 
That's just the relationship me and Jesus has. And I could go all the way with him because I trust him that much because I know that he is a God with good plans concerning me. Plans of good and not of evil to lead me into an expected end. Ah, I know that he's a God of righteousness. I know that he's a God of justice. I know that he's a God of recompense. I know this is the And so if I know him that way, I can live a life of faith because of it. If I know Jesus in this way, I can live a life of victory. If I know Jesus in this way, I will not allow the yoke of bondage to ensnare me again. Why? Because I know him. I know him. And so I can live a life of faith. I can live a life that is free from condemnation. I can live a life that is free from shame because I know my Savior. I can stand in his grace when I'm weak because I know I'm not strong enough. And I got a God that's strong and mighty and that has a reservoir of power and glory. For I can stand in that. Look at somebody put in that chat section and say, you got to stand in it. You got to stand in this truth. You got to know who Jesus is for yourself. Because if you don't know when the, oh my God, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to be tossed and turned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be tossed and turned with doctrine and ideologies. Don't be tossed and turned. You have to stand in the truth. And you can't underestimate what your relationship with your mighty God is. And you can't undervalue it. You got to value it above all else. Because if you don't, you're not really truly living a life of faith. And here's the last thing. And I'm I, listen, time is... Is getting away from me. Here's the last thing. When you know Jesus, you will do great exploits. When you, come on, it will determine what you believe and what you will do. And when you know who Jesus is, then you know what you're capable of. Ah, when you know who Jesus is, then you know what you're capable of. Because God fashioned me from the very beginning and he knows my existence. And when I know and I put myself and stand in his grace and stand in his truth, because knowing the truth will help me know the truth about who I am. That I am above and not beneath. That I am the head and not the tail. That I'm wonderfully, oh my God, created. Oh my goodness. Those are the things that I stand on. And when I can stand in that, to know that greater work shall you do in my name, I will be able to do great exploits because I know Jesus. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits hey when you know your God you don't got nothing to be intimidated about when you know your God you don't got nothing to be insecure about when you know your God that he's a God of creativity and production then you can be creative and you can be productive cause you know Jesus is. <laughs> and because I know him, and because I know him, life That's why life is getting you down now, cause you don't know her, but life is worth the living. When you know that he lives, life is worth it when you know him for yourself. Shout hallelujah. My Jesus in here. <laughs> my Jesus in here. I don't serve a dead God. I serve a God that's alive. I serve a God that reigns and he will so move through me that I can do great exploits in the name of the Father because of my relationship. 
hallelujah and while I'm doing those works for him not for my salvation but because I'm storing up my crowns in heaven doing I'm doing that ladies and gentlemen though that devil may come at you though life is gonna happen I can stand in the truth of knowing that the gates of hell shall not prevail look at all my mind put in the chat section say it didn't prevail it didn't prevail the cancer didn't prevail the corona didn't prevail oh my god the divorce didn't prevail I, it did not prevail I, I said thank god for that truth it did not prevail cause I got the truth I praise you. Hallelujah. I said if we were in the building right now, I would put a dance on it. Cause that didn't prevail. get through tomorrow because I know him. What I know about him is not what my father or mother told me. It's about what I saw for myself. And the word no has a deeper meaning than intellect. Because intellect is not enough to keep you. It's the relationship of knowing who the Father is for yourself. And when you know him in that way, you will never underestimate him. <laughs> when you know him, you will not underestimate him and try to put him on the same level as all these other thought patterns. And that's what Jesus was trying to get through to the disciples in Caesarea Philippi. <laughs> Among all these other gods and ideas, deities, it's in knowing this truth. <laughs> Listen, if you're not saved, I give you the truth today. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless they come through me and I offer you Jesus Jesus is God who came down in 42 some generations to save us of our sin and to take away the sting of death you and I ladies and gentlemen were cursed to destruction because of the fall of one man but through the obedience of another we can experience true life and life abundantly I give you Jesus it is upon the truth of who Jesus is that he is the Messiah and that he is God that you can that the gates of hell will not prevail against you not saying that you won't experience troubling have growing pains you will but it won't prevail your losses that you may think are a loss is not a loss yeah we may lose some but guess what you don't lose the battle you don't lose no battle you still got victory if you walked away from the faith because you got caught up in other people's opinions and allow other people's thoughts to sway your mind of who Jesus is you can come back in line to him today I offer you Jesus if you want to become a partner of our church you can do that as well I would love to be your pastor we pastor people all over the world 
And we don't just say that to say that. We actually do. Our small groups, we pass, we do it. I want you to be a part. I would love, my wife and I would love to pastor you. But more importantly than you partnering with our church, make sure you, you become a believer in Jesus Christ today. Look at the signs of the times. I'm, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know he's coming. When I look at these signs that are out here, volcanic eruptions of, of, of certain proportions that even touch in America, let me tell you something. The signs are all around. Don't you get out of here without knowing Jesus. Life is not promised. Jesus said, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I acknowledge that you are the true and living God. And that you died on the cross for my sin. That you were buried, that you rose again. And you ascended on the right hand of the Father just for me. I repent right now. I want to turn from my wicked ways and make you the Lord over my life. In Jesus' name, you right now, you text transform to 9400 right now. Don't you get off here. You text that number right now. And we'll get right to you and show you the way of salvation. If you said that prayer right now, we believe you're saved. You're saved. Now we're going to start you to the, to, to the track of growing in your salvation. Text that number right now. Text it right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if every come on, let's put a hand emojis in the chat for those who made a decision. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.